Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. Why not learn fast? Learning slow is curating all this information, listening to a dozen different podcasts and a hundred different episodes and trying to take a little bit from this, a little bit from that. Were they right about this? Do they know what they're talking about? I heard it on this podcast too. So now I've heard it on two or three podcasts. It's probably right. What about that thing? I only heard it one time, never heard anybody else mention it again. Maybe that's not right, right? You're trying to like, you're trying to sift through and find the gems. Like you're literally panning for gold. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. I'm excited to be here with you in another live re, uh, a live replay of the live Q&A that I do every Wednesday that you should be live on. If you can, if you go to my Facebook page, Just Start Real Estate, you can get involved live there. You can go on YouTube. You can go on Twitter. You can find me all at LinkedIn, wherever, but I'm there live on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, answering questions, answering your real estate questions. I had some great ones for this episode. Uh, we talked a little bit about the market and what that means for us as investors. Uh, we talked a little bit about, well, I shouldn't say a little bit. We talked kind of a lot about dealing with lawyers. When lawyers get involved, right? You go and talk to a seller. They want to sell you their house. You give them the purchase agreement. They say, I want my lawyer to look at it. And the lawyer just chops it up, just just completely destroys your contract, wants to add things, wants to subtract things and just change it completely. How do you deal with that? What do you do? And uh, I've, I've dealt with that many times. And I gave you my answer and how I've dealt with it many, many times. And I think it's great. I think it works. And so that's something uh, I, that you should be interested in and t definitely listen to because it's going to happen. So if it hasn't happened yet, it is going to happen. And so knowing how to handle that is is critical. And then I had someone ask me about 
podcasts and which podcasts I think are good. So I talked a little bit about the podcasts that I listen to, the real estate ones that I think are really, really good that you should be checking out. And so that's kind of cool maybe for you to hear what I listen to, right? I've got my own podcast, but I realize there's other people out there doing a great job and I shared some of those with you. So, all right, guys, uh, I'm excited about this. As I record this, uh, we are between Christmas and New Year. It's not when you're listening to it, I know, but uh, I hope everybody had a great Christmas and a great New Year and everyone was safe and responsible. And I'm just excited about 2023. Can't, can't wait to get it started. So here we go with my last Q&A of 2022. All right, we are live. Uh, thank you for being here with me on a Wednesday. Uh, we do this every Wednesday live for you to answer your real estate questions. And uh, honestly, I don't think uh, there's a better time of the year for you guys to log on and have some conversations because if you're like most people, you're setting goals and trying to figure out what you want 2003 to look like and how you're going to achieve those goals. And, you know, I've done this in the past, and I'm sure some of you listening or watching right now are in a similar situation. I would make a goal, but I wouldn't have the slightest clue how I was going to achieve it. And some people will tell you, don't worry about the how, just worry about the what. What do you want? Where do you want to be in a year? And then the how you'll figure it out. And, and that can work and that can be fine. And sometimes that works out just great. But other times you set this goal, you don't know how you're going to get there. And you spend most of the year just not knowing how to get there. And so this show, this live is really designed to help you with the how and get a little bit more clear. It, 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 it's, it's a short-ish format, right? We're here about a half an hour every Wednesday. But we can get through a lot of help. We can really talk a lot of things out if you're here live specifically. If you send in a question to me, I'm going to always do my best to answer it as comprehensively and as completely as possible. But if you're not live, I can't ask follow-up questions. And really, to get to the bottom of some of the challenges that we have, it, sometimes you need some. Uh, you need the question, and then maybe there's some clarifying questions that come back at you, and then you can figure those out, answer those, and get to the bottom of something really, really great. And that's your opportunity here if you're live. So if you're live, welcome. I'm glad to have you. Um, please feel free to drop questions in the chat. <clears throat> I've got questions that people send in, and I, I get to those. If there's no live questions, then I'll just go to the questions that I got sent uh, during the week and over the past few weeks, and we'll dive into those. Uh, one of the goals I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a real estate investor and uh, you have a goal of doing more deals next year, and, and honestly, that's a very common goal, right? Last year, you know, you did five deals and this year you want to do 10 or you want to do 15 or you want to do 20. Or maybe, you, maybe you did 50 last year and you want to do 100, right? Everybody has their goals and usually goals are like something more than you did the year before. If that's the case and you want more deals, you need to do better, different, more marketing, right? One of those three or maybe all of them, right? Sometimes you're doing a great job. You just have to do more of it. Sometimes you're not doing a great job at marketing and you need to do a better job, right? And so there could be a lot of ways that you can get to your goals. But I really suggest to you, if you've not tried direct mail, I think that's something you should add to your list of marketing strategies that you're going to try in 2023. Uh, I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to get the direct mail component of my business dialed in and figured out. And I've spent a lot of money. I've spent over a million dollars in direct mail. Uh, and while maybe that doesn't seem like a lot to you over the last seven years, when you consider that each mail piece I sent 
was about 33 cents. It takes a lot of mail to get to a million dollars when you're going 33 cents at a time. And when you spend that much money on that much mail, you inevitably are going to learn a lot. You're going to learn a lot of things that you did right, a lot of things you did wrong, right? I wasted a lot of money trying to figure out how to do direct mail right. I did figure it out. I did dial it in. And I want to share that with you. And I want to share it with you for totally for free. If you go to my website, uh, MikeSimmons.com forward slash uh, winning direct mail, it's up on the screen now. <clears throat> you can go and grab uh, your free video training. I did a five video series on direct mail. I covered it from end to end. You will be 100% ready and armed to go out there and do direct mail well. If you if you get this course and just it's free, so just take it. And if you claim it while it's free, it'll be free forever. I will update it in the future to make sure that I'm staying current. You'll get all the updates for free as well. If you don't go and grab it, it's eventually going to be taken off of. Uh, uh, it's not going to be available on the site anymore. Let's put it that way. And it will come back at some point as a paid course because I just know it's worth it. If I get you one extra deal a month, right? That's 12 deals in a year. I don't know if you're a wholesaler, for example, and you you average $10,000 per deal. That's not that much, right? 12 deals, $10,000, $120,000. Like, I don't know. Should you or could you pay for that? Probably. I would pay for it for sure. It's free right now. Okay. I made it because I wanted to just get it out there and get it in people's hands. Absolutely free. So go and grab it. It is going to not be available on my site pretty soon. And when it comes back, it's going to be a paid course. So Go and grab it now before that happens and just take advantage of free while free is free. All right. Let's see. I think we've got some stuff here in the chat. Uh, Corey. Hey, Mike. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Corey. Good to see you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. I see some posts that you're putting out there on Facebook. Loving it. Loving, loving seeing what's going on with you, man. So, yeah, man. Good to talk to you. Uh, Kyle Schmidt. With the changing market, have you started to market to agents and MLS deals? Um, no, I haven't. Uh, over the years, I have tried many times to make uh, the MLS a uh, an efficient uh, marketing strategy that has good ROI. And it never really has been. <clears throat> and I've been in this since 08. So I'm not just talking about during the boom of the last couple of years. Um, it's, I do mostly wholesaling, okay? So I should be clear about this. It's very hard to find good deals and to pull off a wholesale on the MLS. It's just, it doesn't really work. You kind of have to do a wholesale. You have to you have to take it down, buy it, and then go back and, and wholesale it, right? Which ends up being kind of a wholesale. So, but with the market changing, like you said, and prices going down, um, there might be sellers who are, getting a little antsy about not being able to sell their house. And so it could work. It could be something. If I was a house flipper, I would absolutely have a standard MLS agent uh, marketing strategy. There's no doubt about it. I think um, the MLS can be in, in some markets. It's just not easy to find great deals. Um, but because it's because marketing to agents and just sort of <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> networking with agents can be so like I know a guy um who is in the uh, Southern California market San Diego and over the last several years he's done 80 plus deals without spending a dollar in marketing it's all agent 
referrals, relationships. It's all that. And so, and he's a house flipper. And so if I was a house flipper, I would, I would absolutely have agent networking and relationship building as part of my strategy. You just have to. Uh, and in the market that we're going in, for sure, there's going to be some uh, homeowners who thought they were going to get a certain price for their house. And with house prices dropping and interest rates going up, they're just not getting it. And they're going to get to a point where they're just going to be like, shoot, I got to dump this thing. Like, I just got to get out of this. I, you know, I need to move for work. Uh, I can't afford it anymore. Whatever. I lost my job. Like, there's going to be all these situations of people who kind of thought I'm going to sell while the selling's good. And the selling isn't as good anymore in a lot of markets because of the combination of uh, house prices dropping, interest rates going up, right? And so those folks are going to want to sell. Uh, it's just tough to pull off a wholesale transaction. But if I was a, a landlord or a house flipper, I'd be all over the MLS for sure and reaching out to, but you got to be careful when you reach out to realtors. Remember, they get reached out to by investors all the time. And the investors are basically saying, gimme, 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 right? When you find a smoking hot deal, give it to me. They get this all the time, man. They're not they're not just going to give it to you. Number one, you got to stay in front of them in a, in a tactful way, in a way that isn't um, aggressive or isn't aggravating, right? You got to find ways to insert yourself into their life, into their calendar in a helpful way, in a way that adds value um, and in a tactful way. But you need to stay in front of them because just to say, hey, Mr. Realtor, <clears throat> if you find a house that's in bad shape, and the owner wants 50 cents on the dollar, call me. Like, what's their incentive to call you? They have 10, 15, 50 other people saying, call me, right? You have to find reasons for them to call you and not anybody else who's calling and saying, give me a good deal, right? And in the beginning, I said, we're all as investors, a lot of us making the mistake of saying, give me, give me, give me. You got to find a way to, to add value to their business so that they feel that reciprocal nature to add value to you. If you don't, you're just standing there with your hand out and saying, give me, give me, right? That is a turnoff for everybody. So don't be that person, find a way to add value. But yes, you should be um, working with agents, marketing to agents, networking with agents, building those relationships because they're gonna be huge down the road. Okay, hope that helps Kyle. Corey, uh, I walked a property on December 5th, came to an agreement with a seller on the price, then his lawyer got involved. Yeah. And then the slapping the face emoji. Exactly. Yada, yada, yada. Contract is still not signed. Uh, he, his lawyer is trying to add in a bunch of stuff to my one page purchase agreement that has next to zero profitability, probability of happening. Sorry. Has, he's trying to add things in that have no probability of happening. Seller is very hands off. I plan to wholesale the deal. Any advice to get this contract signed? Should I just agree to his terms? Okay, that's a great question, Corey, and something that I almost never get asked, and it never seems to get brought up in uh, meetups that I go to and things in some figure flipping group. So here's the way that I've always handled those situations, and I've had those situations too. If the house deal, if the deal itself is marginal, not real great, sort of a okay, you know, I'll make a few thousand dollars and kind of move on. It's not a great deal. And then they start heaping on all these conditions and all this stuff. I just tell them to go pound sand. Forget it. I'm out. I I'm not doing it. You take my contract or nothing, right? That's when the deal is super thin. If the deal is really, really good, 
we have put up with a lot of terms because we didn't care because we knew if everything crashes down, we are absolutely buying the house and we will absolutely close on it with our own money. Now, a lot of times when you have a lawyer that's intimately involved with um, the transaction, it becomes challenging to wholesale it because they're going to want to, and maybe this person did, they're going to want to take out the assignment clause. They're going to want to take out any out clauses. Um, they're just going to want to take out the marketing clause. Like, I don't know what your contract looks like, Corey, but in ours, they basically, what lawyers are doing is they're trying to remove the possibility that we will not buy the house or that it will not close. And they really want to close with us. They don't want this third party. We're going to go find somebody and then assign it. They don't want any of that. And so typically what they try to do is make it ironclad so that we can't back out and that we have to be the one to close. Again, if it's a if it's a strong deal, if it's got a lot of meat on the bone, we'll agree to whatever because we'll just buy it. We don't care. We'll just buy it. We know we're going to buy it, right? So we'll agree to all that kind of stuff because they always want to take out the out clauses and stuff. Um, if it's a thin deal um, and, and, and the seller's kind of in a bad way, which is a lot of times what's happening on a thin deal, we'll tell them forget it. And we'll go to the seller though, by the way. We're not going to tell the lawyer forget it. We're going to tell the seller your lawyer has turned this into something that really is uncomfortable for us and unfavorable. Um, they're trying to tie our hands. Like we're, we're a real real estate investing company. Like we buy and sell properties. We, we do a lot of, of, of things with properties to get them sold and to make it make sense for us so that we can give you the money that we promised. And your lawyer is trying to overly complicate and tie our arms behind our back for no apparent reason. And, um, if you want to use this lawyer and you're going to kind of, uh, if you agree to the terms that they're trying to change, then we're not the people for you. And I can almost guarantee you no investor is going to want to do this. Not at this price. Now, you want to lower the price to something closer to what I originally offered? Then I'll take a look at these terms. Maybe I'll be more willing to do it. But to be honest, your house is not going to be very profitable for me to begin with. And so I'm not going to create a contract that puts my company or my people in jeopardy um, just because your lawyer is being paid to do something. And and so he has to do something in order to get paid, right? Um, you, you hire you know, an exterminator, come to your house. How often do they tell you you're completely good to go? You don't need them to spray. You don't need them to come back. There's no evidence of anything anywhere in your house. It just doesn't happen, right? Lawyers are designed and, and programmed to find legal issues that, that they have to att uh, attend to. And, and if you want that, that's fine. I don't blame you. You should use a lawyer if that makes you more comfortable. I'm just not your buyer. So you'll have to find somebody else, right? That's the conversation. That's pretty much how it goes. Um, if it's a really, really great deal, that will just be, we're going to crush it. Like it's just going to be very profitable. We'll say, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, I looked at it. There's some stuff in there that I don't normally agree to, but I'm going to go ahead and, and sign off on it. And uh, let's move forward and close this thing. That's how that conversation would go. Very, very quick and simple, right? All right. Um, so that's a long answer to a fairly short question. Adam Whitney, happy new year, Mike. Real estate is going to be awesome in 2023. A lot of market share is opening up. You have got that right, Adam. Adam's a good friend of mine down in, uh, the Nashville area in Pensacola, uh, Chattanooga. I think you're there too. Uh, yeah, man, it's going to be great. I, I, I'm always confused at, I, I go on these real estate meetups and forums and, you know, talk to people, people ask me questions and there's so much fear that I'm like, are you guys kidding me? 
like when prices drop and people are nervous and people are thinking they got to just kind of get out of their house because they're afraid what's going to happen. Like when all that movement start ha starts happening, there's so much opportunity for real estate investors. I, I believe 100% the next two, three, four, five years are going to be wonderful for real estate investors. Just wonderful, right? When house prices start shooting up and we have this, this, this next like real boom market for real estate and it becomes really expensive. Like it, that can be good too. Don't get me wrong. That could be great. I had a lot of success during the last 24 months, but other aspects of your business will get challenging, specifically the, the acquisition side. And so no matter what happens in the market, there's always opportunity. But when, when the market's strong, and usually, by the way, when people say the market is strong, they mean it's strong for the sellers, usually, right? House prices are going up and everybody's selling for tons of money. That's what the that's what um that's what kind of people uh say, the media for sure, and just the population in general. Strong market translation is really great for sellers, the seller's market. When it's a buyer's market, people tend to say the market's down, right? Which sounds negative, but it, we're buyers, right? We buy. <laughs> so when the market's down because it's a buyer's market, like we're stoked. And so we're going into a buyer's market. We're in a buyer's market and we're going more farther into one. That's a great thing for real estate investors. It's just great. So yeah, I'm with you, Adam. By the way, happy new year. I hope you had a great Christmas with your family. Hope you have a fun new year. And I know I'll be talking to you probably at least four or five times this coming year. And uh, can't wait for it, man. Love seeing you. Love talking to you. You're a smart real estate investor. And I, I just love surrounding myself with people like you. Same with Corey, by the way. Corey, we're going to see each other as well. So love it. All right, Corey, follow up with the lawyer question. Lawyer is okay with assignment clause. Good. But wants to see my assignment contract if I assign it and that I stay liable for the purchase contract even when it's assigned. That's, Corey, that's... That doesn't make any sense. By definition, an assignment contract removes you from being responsible for the purchasing of the property. That is that is literally the only purpose of an assignment contract is to assign ownership. You're assigning the ownership. And so if a lawyer is telling you that he wants you to stay liable, even after you assign it, like the assignment contract legally transfers your interest in that purchase agreement to a new person. And so if the if you remain liable, you and you're not signing an assignment contract. You have not assigned legal responsibility to the next person, which is all an assignment contract does. So he you're telling me he's letting you keep the assignment clause but he's telling you he doesn't want you to assign your interest, making the assignment contract sort of pointless, right? So I don't know if you're able to, Corey. In this situation, if the deal is reasonably good to great, I would just buy it. I would just, I would raise the money and buy it and then turn around and, and wholetail it, right? And at that point, you can put it on the MLS, you can, you can assign it to a private buyer's list, whatever you want to do. But you might want to buy this thing, man. I, unless the lawyer is going to let you assign it and and like actually assign it like to the point of what an assignment contract is. Um, 
It's, that's funny. It's like saying, hey, you can you can sell this car to me, but I want you to be responsible for everything going on with it and like have legal responsibility for this car and you have to fix it and change its oil. Like, no, no, it's your car. You, you bought it, right? I've legally sold it to you. Like the assignment contract only has one purpose and that's to assign your liabilities and interests in that contract to the new buyer. So that lawyer is bizarro to me. All right. I don't even know if I read the whole question because I got so fired up. Yeah, I did. Okay. So they want you to stay liable. Uh, if it's a great deal, man, just buy it. Like I wouldn't go through these fiery hoops for somebody. If I liked it that much, I would just buy the doggone thing. All right, Corey, I am not okay with sharing my assignment contract details with the seller. No, I wouldn't be either because then they're going to see what you're assigning it for. And if it's a lot, Trust me, that will be a problem for them. And so you got to buy this thing, man. All right. Lawyers assignment logos is uh, ludicrous. I don't know. I don't think you mean logos, but um, lawyer went to Harvard. <laughs> preach <laughs> preach on Father Simmons. Uh, yeah, man, you get me fired up on this stuff. I, it just drives me crazy. Oh, he went to Harvard. So he really wants to get his hours up there so that he can charge his whatever, $500 an hour, whatever he's charging. I mean, it's fine. Harvard's a great school. I'm not kicking Harvard, but come on, man. You got to be kidding me. You might as well just take the assignment clause out if you can assign it, but stay liable. <laughs> That's not an assignment. So uh, it makes me so mad. I could go, I could, I could restate my, per, my position on that a hundred more times, but nobody wants to hear me do that. All right. Uh, let's see. Maybe I'll hit a question here that was sent to me. If you guys are good for the moment. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> there seem okay. <laughs> there seems to be so many all caps real estate podcasts out there. Are there any that you think are invaluable? All right. Well, we're gonna start uh, with my podcast, which is Boom. Just start real estate. That's juststartrealestate.com. Uh, you can go there, check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. I would highly suggest that one. Uh, my friend Bill Allen has a podcast called Seven Figure Flipping. You can go and check that out. I. Uh, He's a good friend of mine. He's a smart guy. He has good guests. Um, I think the Bigger Pockets podcast is really, really good. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't spend a lot of time listening to real estate podcasts. I just don't. Um, I listen to some. I listen to Bills and I listen to Bigger Pockets a lot of times. And a lot of times, if there's something specific in real estate that I want to be, I want to be smarter about or get, educate myself kind of quickly. I'll search podcasts for subjects that I'm interested in, and I'll just pull up those podcasts and listen to an episode, episode or two. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there. I mean, at the end of the day, the risk is that you listen to so many podcasts about real estate, but you don't actually do anything. Like I would... I would err on the side of taking tons of action and joining like a group, a mastermind or hiring a coach or a mentor. Like that's, if I did start over again, that's what I would do. I mean, I kind of did do that pretty early on, but that's, that to me is more valuable than like listening to a hundred episodes of random podcasts and trying to sift through and find the good stuff. Like all mine episodes are good stuff. So I'm biased, but you can go there and listen to mine and, and you're going to get good stuff. But seriously, uh, I would I would look for more direct paid ways of of educating myself and accelerating my learning. I, I'm all about like learning faster. Like you can learn slow, 
you can learn how you can to get to where you want to go. You can learn slow. You can learn fast, right? Why not learn fast? Learning slow is curating all this information, listening to a dozen different podcasts and a hundred different episodes and trying to take a little bit from this, a little bit from that. Were they right about this? Do they know what they're talking about? I heard it on this podcast too. So now I've heard it on two or three podcasts. It's probably right. What about that thing? I only heard it one time, never heard anybody else mention it again. Maybe that's not right, right? You're trying to like, you're trying to sift through and find the gems. Like you're literally panning for gold, right? How many times you see those people in the rivers and the streams and the, the area, you know, they're throwing rocks in this pan and sifting it to gold. Most of what they sift is garbage. It's, it's rocks and, and river water. And then sometimes they find gold. What if I told you for a little bit of money, relatively speaking, a little bit of money, I can just show you where all the gold is. Like you don't have to, you don't have to do this. You don't have to look for it forever. And you can get there faster because I know I, I did this one time for a presentation. I talked about how much money I estimated, how much money I lost by procrastinating and not getting started in real estate. And what I was doing during that time that I wasn't actually getting started is I was listening to podcasts. They weren't really podcasts back then. Um, some websites had like libraries of MP3s that you could listen to. So it wasn't really podcasts, but similar, right? Podcast. I was reading books. I was going to meet up like free meetups in my local area and reading more books and listening to more audio. And I wasn't doing anything. And so I estimated my the money that I, I, I left on the table by starting later than I should have, right? Not just getting in there and getting started, paying a coach, accelerating my learning. I, I left about $3 million on the table, a little over $3 million, 3 something like that. It's an estimate, but I think it's pretty close. And so I don't want to learn slow anymore. I'm not interested in that. If the information's out there and I can pay a little money to just get to that information, that's what I want to do. I want to get to the information fast so that I can use time to help me compound that money that I'm making, right? Would you rather have a million dollars today or a million dollars in 10 years? There's a huge difference. You get the million dollars today, it can equal 10 million in 10 years or 50 million or whatever, right? It equals whatever you can, you can make that money work for yourself and get somewhere. So I don't want to learn something to get paid in 10 years. I want to learn now and I'm willing to pay to learn now because I know the cost is minimal compared to the value that I'm going to get. All right. I think that's a good place for us to stop. It's a good little rant. Uh, as Corey called me, uh, Father Simmons, just preaching to you guys. Um, yeah, I think that's good for tonight. Listen, uh, I am not going to be back here until after the new year. We won't be together until after the new year. So please, please have fun. Drive safely. Remember, people are driving like maniacs out there uh, this time of the year, especially on Christmas Eve. So I'm sorry, New Year's Eve. So be very, very careful. And I'll see you guys in a week. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.